Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Merry Trashmas, everyone, and welcome to Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your guide through trash cinema, your favorite festive dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're finishing off the Trashmas season with a personal favorite of mine and a promised featured film at the beginning of the month one of Trashmas. The one, the only, the Linnea Quigley starring Trasterpiece. Silent Night, Deadly Night. But before we get to that, let me introduce you to the only gift I'm looking forward to unwrapping this Christmas season, Patrick Schweiger. I think you're insinuating that you want to undress me, and yes. I give you my consent. Oh boy, that's about <laughs> okay. <laughs> you spelled my name wrong though, which I honestly love. Jesus Christ. Well, fuck it, it's fine. <laughs> and next up, it's been far too long since he's graced the podcast, and this time. I'm not letting him try and pass off some $200 million Dwayne The Rock Johnson-led shit show as Trash Cinema. He's now back in my domain, and he's prepared for the suffering. Let me introduce you to Jeremiah fucking Hobbs. Uh, peace be with you, and also also with, with you, you, Patrick. Um, I, You told me that The Rock was in this movie. Did I miss him? He, he was in the background. You didn't see that big hulking Hawaiian man? Oh, okay, cool. That guy that just kept talking about his mana, you you did you missed that? His terra mana? Uh-huh. Fucking Christ. Well, That's what I'm drinking right now. Rock. Let's uh let's, let's <laughs> uh, go ahead. Before we finish off the trash season, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rate and review the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at savetrashcinema@gmail.com or you can DM us on all socials at savetrashcinema. Make sure to check out last week's episode with my wife, everyone's favorite dumpster girl, joined us to cover a film about a horny mutant killer snowman, Jack Frost. We will be continuing to release mini-shows, roundtable discussions, interviews, and even game shows. So keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. Well, boys, here we are. Here we are. It's the last film of Trash Mouths. Ho, ho, ho. So why don't we do a little overview of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's a 1984 Christmas horror film written by Paul Kimey and directed by Charles E. Sellier Jr. He's a junior. Yep. Now, Paul Kimey is best known for writing the story for the film, but outside of that, he really hasn't done much else. Apparently, he's some Harvard grad lawyer or something. I don't really know. Now, Charles so this e. happened to him then? The storyline in this movie is something that is autobiographical? Usually, if you only write one movie... It's a movie about your life, like about your childhood. Mm, sure. So let's get mm. into it. Let's get into let's, it. Let's get into it. Charles E. Sellier Jr., on the other hand, is known for this film as well as the Trash Classic, The Annihilators, as well as a film called Snowballing, which coincidentally is not about cum swapping. Is snowballing? Is that is that a thing? Yeah, it's where you come in someone's mouth and then they spit it back in your mouth. That's called snowballing? Oh, that's from, yeah. That's succession. Yeah. 
You swallowed your own load. It's super hot. I don't know. I don't think people do that, Tom. No, I'm no. I'm pretty sure people do do that. Actually, snowballing. No Steven, one. I'm, why do you know this? No one came here to listen about a really terrible TV show that no one this likes. This fucking guy. This no one likes guy. that show. No, Just we're trying we to figure out why you know movie. what snowballing is. I've actually. So here's the thing. Actually, answer the question. Then I have a thing. No, I'm not going to answer the question. No, okay. answer the fucking question. This is no. Podcast. I'm not going to answer the question. You're I'm legally... going to tell you something else. That is, this film is incredibly controversial. Not snowballing the film, but Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, to the point that it actually led Charles Sellier Jr. to having difficulty finding more work as a director. It eventually, because no one wanted to hire him, forced him to retire from filmmaking entirely and focus specifically on producing instead. Let me tell you, boys, you know what he produces now? Not what? pornography like everyone would expect. No, he produces Christian movies the man who directed this movie now produces christian did he films. did he produce the fucking shack or whatever it's called honestly i think he might have there's a very good chance that i mean did. honestly I love if the you, shack if you make about shaquille o'neal uh-huh the size 24s if Just you make a movie film. about putting your own putting your cum in your own mouth from someone else's mouth then you i mean the next best thing is christian movies but here's okay, my time question. out, time out, time out. Well, hold on. Is the movie snowballing about people who come into each other's mouths? No, well, some, I mean, Cayman did explicitly say no. Okay, because no, but then we started to talk about it and I got confused. I so 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 the man came into someone's mouth, asked somebody to put it back in his mouth, and now he makes Christian films. That's what you're telling me. I mean, mm. at this point, sure. And he's married to the daughter of Logan Roy. This is the worst start to any of the podcasts that we've done together. Well, here's this the, is great. The thing is, I've been trying to ask this question, but we keep just having so much beautiful conversation. Usually these terms, these sexual terms came in. Yes. You say them and like you you hear it and it's like, you know what? I understand why it's called that. Mm. I'm lost on snowballing. Okay, I don't so get. Let me try to break. Gets more more to can you, yeah. Can you yeah. illustrate this, please? I'm going to try to break down the mental image for our UN, our audience. Yeah, please. So what I'm assuming snowballing is, is that. I'm so sorry for asking this question. I'm assuming is that you start with a load of cum, right? And then you add saliva to it. And so that load of cum now becomes bigger. And then when you add it to another person's mouth, then more saliva is added. So it gets bigger as well. It's like a snowball effect. So that's just the only way I can think that that's why this term is called snowballing. Now, do you think, follow-up question. Sure. Do you think uh, this this snowballing has anything to do with the debt snowball from that fucking guy on the radio that always talks about debt? What's his name? Tom, was it something? Ha- not Todd Howard. That's a video game guy. Who's the guy? Uh, Clark Howard. Is it Clark, Clark Howard? Howard? Is it Clark is- Howard? Is Clark Howard a snowballer? Is what I'm hearing right now is Clark Howard is a snowballer. I think we've just uncovered that Clark Howard hey, look, is a snowballer. Here's the thing. No kink shaming. Look, if that turns you on, Clark Howard specifically, like, go for it, bro. I mean, what better way to get out of debt than by snowballing your from way money? out of yeah, it? Yes. Exactly. I love it. Let's move on. The story goes as such. <laughs> Little Billy witnesses his parents getting killed by Santa Claus after being warned by his senile grandpa that Santa punishes those who are naughty. Now, Rough. Billy is 18 and out of the orphanage, and he has just become 
Santa Claus himself. The film stars Robert Brian Wilson, known from a bunch of uh, daytime soap operas, Will Hare from Eyes of Fire, Back to the Future, and Vendetta, Tony Nero for No Dead Heroes, Commando Squad, and last but absolutely not least, Linnea motherfucking Quigley, who all of you would know from Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, Return of the Living Dead, Night of the Demons, Graduation Day, amongst so many other trash cinema classics, and honestly, my personal favorite human being to ever exist in the world of cinema. Patrick is going to now step in and tell me why apparently someone from some HBO show that everyone hates is actually the best, and Brian Cox can suck my fucking balls. I I don't know where, why I caught that stray, personally. I have always supported Linnea. Not enough. I don't understand why. You, look, you're in a foul mood right now. No, and you really missed a good like, Guys, Brian just, Cox joke. We just spit. We just, I know I did, didn't I? <laughs> God damn it. Fuck this podcast. Yeah. You know what? We're moving on. The film runs for an hour and 19 minutes as a Rotten Tomato score of 44%. The film is currently streaming. Um, actually, I'm wrong here. The, I, it was streaming through Shutter. It's not anymore, but you can watch other films, and I'll tell you those in a minute. Uh, it is not streaming anywhere, but you can rent it through Variety of Outlets or you can purchase the incredible collector's edition for around $20 through Amazon. It's important to point out that there are two versions of the film, folks. There is the theatrical version, which runs for the hour and 19 minutes. That is one of them that is fairly easy to get your hands on and to watch. And you could probably catch it on YouTube if you're lucky enough. However, if you get the physical copy or you look it up, apparently Patrick was able to find it through Amazon. There is a version of the film that runs for 85 minutes. That six extra minutes of content was cut from the original version because it originally got an X rating. But before we move on to the initial thought segment, let me go ahead and tell you another little bit that you might want to know. The film has multiple sequels. Uh, There is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. There is uh, Part 3 called Better Watch Out, 4, The Initiation, and 5, The Toymaker. And then finally, in 2012, uh, the famous British actor Malcolm McDowell uh, stars in the reboot under the title of just Silent Night. And let me go ahead and tell you, it's fucking terrible. Do not watch it. Really? I like him. It's pre- that movie's pretty fucking bad. Oh, There's yeah, some nice guy. callbacks, but it's a bad movie. But with the overview out of the way, why don't we take some time to discuss some initial thoughts? Uh, let's start off tonight with you, Patrick. Yeah, And uh, I kind of want to hear your thoughts going into a movie. I kind of primed you up with some trivia about it beforehand, so I thought I scared you. You did. I I, I often am scared going into these movies, Cayman. I I, I use that word a lot on this podcast, in this segment, in the initial thoughts segment. Uh, I'm a scared boy. I'm full of fear and I'm full Mm -hmm. of anxiety. But you texted me about this movie saying that it was fucking, there's a bunch of snowballing in it, and also that uh, there was (laughs) six extra minutes that were cut out. Uh, And so my assumption oh man, if it's cut out and it had an X rating, this is about to be gory as fuck. So mm. I was scared. I I, was, I thought that I was going to be seeing my boy uh, St. Nick just like ripping throats out and fucking, you know, doing naughty, naughty things. Uh, and then you, you, you quelled those fears and you said, no, no, no. It's just, it was the same. It was the eighties and people were, people were crazy in the eighties. And so, yeah, I went into it with an open mind and open heart uh, and an open stocking ready to be filled with treats and not coal. All right. Okay. Well, you we love that to hear that. Jeremiah, the slub sub dumpster. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> the slub dumpster. That, I like we... slub dumpster. Better. I do too. I do too. 
Uh, Jeremiah, I, I what were your what were your initial thoughts going into the film? Uh, I didn't actually know a lot about this. Um, you texted me uh, last night saying, uh, "Would you like to do a podcast?" I'm just kidding. It was like two nights ago. <laughs> it was but I, it was, uh, but I, I I didn't know anything about this movie. I uh, I am a big fan of uh, of Santa's sleigh um from uh probably too early in my life i i feel like my family got uh cable when i was like 12 years old like i we just hadn't had it we had a tv that had like the three like clicking channels and then we got cable and my parents like left me in the living room and i just watched movies and santa sleigh was one of them um so i i really like christmas horror um there's something really fun about it uh, there's something like I'm not a big horror guy, but there's something about it being set at Christmas that makes me feel kind of warm and cozy while I watch people die. So um, <laughs> so I was kind of excited to go going in uh, to it. It's um, and I'm excited to talk about it. This is a, a weird fucking psychotic movie. This uh, I um, this man needs therapy, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hopefully we that's, can get that's, it to That's him. the moral of this story. The moral Talk of the story. to a therapist. Honestly, we probably need <laughs> therapy, too. Um, yeah, so going in, um, like I mentioned in the Trash Talk episode, when we talked about Christmas Horror, Silent Night, Deadly Night is probably my personal favorite, like my favorite Christmas Horror film of all time. I absolutely love this movie. I think it's, it is very controversial, which we'll get to a lot of that in the trivia, but... Um, I think for me, like the movie's just, it's quick as hell. Like it's incredibly well paced. It's fast. It's very layered and leveled. There's some pretty funny, very 80s moments in this movie. Uh, but yes. the yes. good portion of it is just like, it's just very much a lot. It's just a lot of fucking carnage. And I enjoy that. Uh, Do you remember the first time you saw this movie came in? When that was? Oh, I would have been back in high school. Okay. Yeah, so this has probably been 15, 15 plus years now. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. We're maybe, I, jump, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're maybe jumping in uh, too quickly, but I will tell you that um, I have often told friends and family that um, Titanic, the movie, has one of the better middle thirds of a movie of any movie I've ever seen. Like, I don't love the beginning of it. The first 45 minutes are kind of slow. The last 45 minutes are just the just the boat sinking. It's like uh, carnage, whatever. But so that middle, middle third, three hours. <laughs> yeah, that middle three James hours. Cameron, get out of here. Gorgeous, right? Like the she's they're dancing in the lower decks. They're drinking. They're doing all the stuff. They have sex. The hand uh, to the car. Um, this movie, I, as I was watching it, I was like, this is this isn't going to be in my top ten of middle third movies. I the the middle third of this movie is incredible. Yeah. It's awesome. When he it's, starts like uh, going in on it, he starts going crazy as Santa. Like the minute he loses it to about 20 minutes before, uh, you're really into it. Yeah, it's. It, I'm excited. This is cool. Well, yeah, I mean, you summed it up for me there. I Look, I love this movie. It's hard for me to give an initial thoughts because there really isn't an initial thoughts since it's been so long. But I can tell you, I fucking love this movie. And I'm very excited to have both of you to finish off the trash my season. So why don't everybody grab your it's spike? as close to grateful dog. as I'm ever going to hear, Kevin. That's probably that's the, I think it's that the was, nicest thing he's ever said. That was really about. sweet. Yeah. Well, you know what? Aww. Let's ruin the rest of the night. Uh, grab your spiked eggnogs, put this down if you're driving, drink and drive, 
if you're a child, smoke some cigarettes. And on to the show, everyone. Silent <laughs> night, deadly night. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. through Halloween. Now try and survive Christmas. Silent night. Deadly night. A family is on the way to see their senile grandpa at the mental asylum. Little Billy is in the backseat pestering his parents about Santa Claus and his baby brother Ricky is in the front seat because this is the <laughs> 1980s and I'm pretty yeah. sure cartoons didn't exist. She's just chilling with him in the in her lap. <laughs> just fucking. I knew this was gonna be bad right when I saw that. I this is like, what I'm saying. Like this movie is. Tr- it's just so, there's so many moments that are just so 80s. Like you would never see this in another movie. They are fucking booking it down the highway. Billy's in the back seat, not wearing a fucking seatbelt. Then little baby Ricky, who's a fucking newborn, is in the mom's lap in the front seat. And there's snow on the ground, guys. This isn't like yeah. they're just, this is a summer day taking a, just a nice stroll. No, this is icy roads. And these people do not give a fuck. No, it's it's 2022. I fully expected that everyone except Billy was going to die. I thought that I thought the, the beginning of this was they slipped on the ice and everyone shot through the window except Billy somehow. Baby Ricky came out in an evil Knievel cape. And they they wanted to honor him, and so they had him in the fucking front seat, ready to fucking wheel and deal, baby. Danger. Well, they arrive at old Gramps, and he ain't saying too much, but uh, one might say catatonic. And the parents leave Billy alone with Grandpa so they can go review his medical records with the doctor. While alone, though, Grandpa snaps back, and he grabs Billy by the arm, and he tells him, and I quote, you should be scared of Christmas Eve because Santa Claus only brings presents to people who've been good all year and punishes all the naughty ones. If you see Santa Claus tonight, you better run for your life. Then he cackles maniacally to himself and then immediately goes back into his coma. Which, honestly, this is now my new biggest fear. Being around someone who is like on death's door who hasn't spoken in years. I'm alone with them and they speak to me and they, mm. and they warn me of the future. I think this is, that's my new biggest fear. So and I he- worked in an old folks home. And let me tell you, there was some residents who would never say a fucking word. And then you just be like, walk by and they grab your arm and you're like, Oh shit. And they pull you real close. And they just say some shit like the food here tastes like slop. And then that's all they say for the next three months. Slob dumpster. All right. These old people are scary as shit. Scary. They're scary. Listen, this was my first bad actor of the movie, though, because uh, the whole time I was like, you're not actually in a call. You're not catatonic. You're just sitting here pretending to be. And then the minute that everybody leaves, you're going to terrify this tiny little boy and then go back to just sitting. That's going to be the way you get off uh, this year because nobody has come to visit you. He probably is the most talkative dude there. Probably. Have, you ever, have you ever thought to yourself, like, when you get old as well, that, like, you might actually do a long play just for shits and giggles? Like, you've lived your whole life, right? 
You're like, there's nothing else for me to do now. So I'm not going to say a word to another person for a year just so I can scare the absolute fuck out of someone. Like, I'd do that. The long game. Sure. You got to play the long game. Yeah. I'm totally down Absolutely. with it. We cut to a convenience store. And old Santa Claus is grabbing some smokes. Bitch. And then he robs the place. The shop owner tries to pull a gun on Santa. Eh? But Santa's quick on the draw and plugs him with a few rounds before immediately blowing a hole through his, his forehead. And yep. then he dashes off through the night. No, I'm dashing. I see. <laughs> like that? Cayman, uh, yeah. nice. I have a question for you. And feel yeah. free to say I'm not answering this question yet. But it's, it's something that I balling. <laughs> it is now. No, I something that I didn't gather from this movie, and I'm wondering if it's just supposed to be left to my interpretation, is the origin of evil Santa. Is it mm. just this guy's a fucking serial killer? Or like is there something I missed? Or is it am I supposed to pick that up in my own creative imagination? Yeah, I think you just pick it up in your it's never addressed again. Okay. Uh, like if through any of the other films, it's never addressed again. They just kind of like leave it hanging that that Santa Claus from before was just like a just a shitty fucking person who yeah. was just just so happened to be dressed as Santa at the time. Okay. And how one shitty person could ultimately sure. alter the the lives of everyone that they come in contact with. Have you have yeah, you no, been, I, have you been a Santa before, Patrick? I you know I almost came in some santa gear tonight but then i remember this is not a video podcast uh which i regret both those things yeah but uh but you know i've i've been i've been santa before yeah i mean usually in a sexual way you've done see but that's the thing is that you've done some great things in your life including being santa in a sexual way and then one day there might come there might come a time where you have to go to like a like a, a library and be santa and after that i guarantee you i guarantee you you will go rob a a, a gas station yes and kill that person and <laughs> kill that person yes i don't see anything don't see any other logistically yeah. incorrect about that statement. some someone has to do it the minute that you play santa is the minute that you rob a gas station for 31 dollars and kill that man true on the car ride home the family pulls up on a car that is broken down on the side of the road Outside of the car stands a Santa Claus, and he is flagging down for help. That's the, the, family, the family pulls over to help, but little Billy protests that they shouldn't stop. Little Billy is right, and Santa pulls a gun out and shoots the dad as they're attempting to drive off. Little Billy then runs and hides in a nearby ditch while Santa Claus slits the mother's throat. Little Billy looks on in terror as Santa Claus calls out for the little bastard to show himself. Couple um, things. Yeah. Yep. I think Jeremiah started to ask the question, but it didn't come through about is this is the same guy, right? This Santa yes, Claus. Yes, of course. Yeah, Santa, right? yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Just a real piece of shit. And my my question, it, it was not included here in, in your description, which I respect. Not only does he slit her throat, he mm -hmm. rips her yeah. shirt open. <laughs> Yeah, so this is where I had a moment where I was talking to Sid, and I was like, I have a feeling Patrick's going to watch this, and he's going to be like, Cayman, I'm not going to do this episode because of this. Here's the thing. We've covered two well, films. Well, that's not what I said. Well, I know, but what I'm saying is, uh, and th this is a very tricky scene, right? So we've covered two films. <laughs> we've covered two films so far on STC where that has been very explicit in what is happening on screen. 
Sure. And this has been like a moment where like this scene has gone back and forth and I've read a lot about it and there's no clear cut answer outside of like that. He's just a freak. And they're like, the intent wasn't there to do any more than that. But Mm -hmm. then other people say that it's implied that maybe something worse happened, but nothing is shown on screen. And if anything is, it's all implied. And I don't feel like that. This is a trigger warning. Like shouldn't be a trigger warning. I don't feel like, like something like class of 1984, 100% deserved a trigger warning because that scene is very brutal and not sure. Okay. This on the other hand, not that anything people dying is okay, but what I'm saying is like in this particular scene, if there is any sexual misconduct or sexual assault taking place, none of it is shown and it is implied through the own audience's imagination on what's happening. So I guess in a way, like, hey, be aware that, that he does tear open the blouse of the mom and then slits her throat, but there's no, like, thrusting real, or anything that would imply that anything more happens there. The The real important part of it, though, is that over the course of this young man's life, every time he sees boobies from here on out, he thinks of Santa Claus killing his mom. Which means he thinks about his mom's boobies first, and then he thinks about Santa ki- killing his mom. Well, sure. there's okay. So here's the thing: we're gonna get to a scene here in a little bit that I think is more explains his his mental process more. So why don't we get to that, and then well, we'll, we'll take a step I, back. I just want to finish my thought, oh, which I, I I think that was a great <laughs> analysis came in. I think it was uh, a very heartfelt and and thought through thing. I was just gonna ask: Do you think he just wanted to see some titties before he killed her? Um, <laughs> probably yes because it was so random he's just it, like yeah. i'm gonna kill you titties slice yeah yeah that probably probably is fair that i loved fair. your scholarship though that was Thank that was you. good i've did a lot before no, that was good I, for so real. like yeah yeah because that was well, after class of 1984 fucking shit i just man. remember was it was tough. so random i was like oh oh yeah no sure let's, let's it was a nice it's a nice blouse he just didn't want to get blood all over it but so, I think I fair. think Jeremiah, it, you actually make a good point in that it, the kid. Like, we don't want to jump too far ahead, but it is all related to sex. So like, there's a good portion of it. Yeah, it makes but sense. there's so, more here. So let's yeah. get to that, and we will in just a second. We cut to St. Mary's home for the orphan children. This is a flash forward a few years. Now, little Billy is a few years older now, and he's putting up his Christmas photo on the wall of the orphanage. And apparently, he's a little freak. Since it's a photo of Santa Claus and Rudolph, and they are all butchered up. Yeah. Mother Superior, uh, she chastises him and asks him to go to his room. One of the nuns tells Mother Superior that little Billy is still wrecked from his past and that he needs help. But Mother Superior, like a good Catholic, thinks some good old fashioned ass whooping is just enough to fix him. <laughs> fuck some this trivia. bitch. If it was sure, really fuck this bitch. But the, uh, some trivia. Uh, the orphanage building was an abandoned schoolhouse that the crew had apparently renovated for the film, and then it was demolished shortly after filming concluded. There's, I feel like well, they should have just opened it up, and you know, I could have moved in. There's actually a, f- a fun little callback in the sequels, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two, in which there's a scene where they're talking about the orphanage, and they say in the film, they're like, "Oh yeah, like uh, that orphanage." It was it's it was torn down just a few years ago. This is like I've cut forward and some whatnot. Yeah. So like they even mentioned the fact that it doesn't exist. And apparently that was actually the, in the sequel. The sequel is supposed to come out much sooner. It actually came out. I want to say uh, four or five years after this film. 
And apparently in the original script, they were actually going to go back to the orphanage, but the hmm. orphanage didn't exist anymore. So they were like, fuck it. Instead, we'll just reuse cycled footage from the first film. And <laughs> Well, first of all, yeah, I was going to say, the first of all, I think, I think that same building is used for the orphanage and for the mental institution. Yes. And they just you they just put a different sign there in front of it. It yep. says mental asylum, and then it says orphanage, whatever. Um, to that is the most hipster apartment building to ever open up. Oh, um, I live in a building that uh, used to be a schoolhouse, and then for a horror movie, it was turned into a mental asylum and an mm -hmm. orphanage. And now I live in fourteen B. That's fucking dope. I'd do that shit. One of the nuns gets Billy from his room and brings him Hipster. outside to help the other kids build a snowman. On his way outside, Billy hears some strange noises, though. He investigates, only to find one of the other nuns fucking some random guy, which is an obvious affront to both God and Santa Claus. More so Santa Claus. Honestly. He's caught by Mother Superior and listens as she beats the two lovers with a belt. Later, <laughs> she explains that punishment is good and it's sexy, yeah. very, very naughty, and should be punished. Then, I tell my she wife beats that every the night. Ever living shit out of him with a belt okay mother yeah. superior's got to be nasty in the bedroom oh, oh yeah full She's a dominant her other job is a dominatrix it, listen when you help poor orphan kids you get paid what poor orphan kids have which is nothing so your other job has to become dominatrix and sure sex work is work my friends like that's, that's yeah that's what yeah, i mean as the sub dumpster you know this so this uh, is it's very, is very naughty, and I deserve to be punished. Now, yeah. this is where I want to go back to the original point that Jeremiah made, where he was talking about how in like how little Billy, anytime he sees boobs, like he loses his shit. To me, though, I agree to a certain degree that yes, it is connected with Santa Claus. It's the idea that being naughty is why people should be killed. And that's why Santa he can Claus be Santa 365 days a year, baby. And then Mother Superior is what puts him in his head. Anyone who has sex should be killed. So when he sees tits, he's immediately like, I have to kill because this is the worst thing in the world. I've been taught that. So I don't think it's necessarily like that scene in particular in the beginning as much as it is this scene. Okay. Well, let's talk about it again um, when we get to the, the storage room because I have some thoughts on this. All right. That night, Billy has a nightmare of his family being slaughtered and he runs out of his room in a panic. So Mother Superior does what Mother Superior does best, and she ties his ass to a bed, yeah. because as we've pointed out, this bitch is a dominatrix. Yeah. Also, this bitch needs to die. She tied those knots way too quickly. Oh, she's real she does good. does not need to though. die. She needs to come over. Yep, Mommy. Never does. I was going to say that she was, a, she was a deckhand in a past life, but I think she was more of a dickhand. Hey. The next morning, everyone opens their presents, and then Santa Claus visits. Mother Superior forces Billy to sit on Santa's lap, and in the process, Billy knocks his fucking lights out. This Mother becomes a Maury episode here for a second. They're like, what's your uh, biggest fear? Uh, Santa Claus. Oh, well, guess what? We brought Santa Claus. We're going to force you to sit on his knee. The whole well, audience goes crazy. Yeah! Mother Mother Superior chases him upstairs, and we fade out to the sounds of Billy crying. There it is. Is your beer in a in a, a flannel, flannel jacket? Yeah, yeah. 
It's in a flannel jacket. I got my bow yangles, my flannel jacket, and then whatever the fuck that. Remember two. Remember two minutes ago when he was like, "Oh, I would totally move into that uh, asylum school house." Uh, Hipster. Sure, sure, sure. Some. uh, So this scene came in. Mm -hmm. I want to inject some trivia. How do you feel about that? I'd love to hear it. So the release of this film was picketed by angry parents who were not happy to see Santa Claus depicted as an axe murderer despite the fact that Tales from the Crypt from 1972 had done the exact same thing 12 years earlier and Christmas Evil from 1980 had done the same thing in 1980. As a result, box office receipts plummeted once the film was pulled from theaters after barely two weeks and the film was shelved for another year when it was released on VHS Uncut, which has since gone out of print. Wow. Okay, so here's the thing. This movie released the same weekend as Nightmare on Elm Street. Whoa. Not only that, but in the first two weeks, both films were were in the theaters. Silent Night, Deadly Night was absolutely dominating the box office to the point that no one was seeing Nightmare on Elm Street. If this movie wasn't picketed, there is a good chance we would never have another sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street, or at least it wouldn't be nearly as popular as it is today. That's kind of crazy. Wow. Uh, that's what we do. Well... Guess what, boys? We're cutting to 10 years later. It's the year 1980-something. I was so shocked when the 10 years later came up. Yeah, it's like an endgame. Because we were like 20, 30 minutes in. I was like, oh my god. Things are changing. And this is where it gets good. This is where shit's about to kick off. One of the nuns is inside of a toy store, and she's asking the store owner, if Billy can come and help around the store for the season, he doth protest because he's expecting Billy to be some scrawny orphan. But lo and behold, Billy is a six foot three slab of beef. And then we get a montage of Billy working at the store. Yes. So the background of one of the most beautiful 80s rock ballads ever put to film. It, this moment. Is, this my is my favorite, favorite moment, moment of the movie, of yes. the film, because of out of nowhere, we jump ten years later, and then it's fucking like the growing pains opening, yep. or like everywhere uh, you look, literally like the song. And yeah. there are so many times where like they don't ever actually do the like look to camera smile, but you feel that they wanted to. You feel <laughs> oh, yeah. like it's about to happen. He's like taping some boxes and you, I like, I almost feel his shoulder twitch to look at camera, but he doesn't cause he's Billy and he's in there. Oh, but it's good. I was like, man, this is the opening of an 80s sitcom out of nowhere. And it was awesome. My favorite part of the montage is there's a scene where one of the coworkers, Pamela and the store owner, they unfurl this banner and it says, Merry Christmas, happy new year. And the look on Billy's face during this scene mm, is so fucking good. It zooms in real close, mm-hmm. and you just see his eyes like twitching and bugging out. Yeah, and this guy's great. It, it sits great. on it for like 30 seconds of this fucking, with this goddamn 80s opening TV theme song playing in the background. And you just got these like maniacal eyes just vibrating for 30 seconds. Yeah, okay. I that's love right. that. Right. So, t- and tell me, I'm sorry again, uh, the name of, of, uh, adult billy or 18 year old billy the what's his what's his real name yeah, yeah yeah oh he is his name is give me one second i got this it's robert brian wilson robert brian wilson literally nothing else 
but I guarantee you this is like 84. This is getting to be like the start of all of this method, like really going in Stanislavski style stuff. I guarantee you this man researched like he talked to the eight-year-old version of himself. He talked to the 12-year-old version of himself. Like you can see it. Like he's really given like there's some like trauma in his eyes every time he sees Santa Claus. Yeah. Oh no, he's poor man. You know, it's funny though, because like some people would say, like, oh, well, that obviously can't be true. He's not method acting. But we know from Slumber Party Massacre that the driller killer actually was method acting the entire time and would hide away from the cast and crew. And apparently, I'm just assuming was just jerking off in the bushes the whole time. Sure, sure. Um, Snowballing it. Snowballing in the bushes. But but so like, yes, this is I wouldn't be shocked if the same thing happened. And he got so mentally traumatized that instead of being a cult leader like Jared Leto, he just did daytime soaps the rest of his life. Sure. Uh, This is a very quick aside. But when I was in high school, I did a production of West Side Story. Um, where a couple of the guys had just heard about the idea of method acting, but didn't know what they were doing. So Tony and Chino, every time they'd see each other backstage, would start chasing each other around the stage. So then they came on all out of breath and stuff. And then one time I was supposed to fight Chino in the rumble, and he came running at me with a look in his eyes that made me think he was literally going to attack me. And so I punched him in the face on stage. You know what they always say during productions of West Side Story? Fuck that guy. Who who did you play in West Side Story? Just a quick question, then let's get back. I played Arab. My line okay. was... Of course you did. Cracko Jacko, down goes a teenage hoodlum. That's great. I I'm going to have to cut that out, because I'm pretty sure that that's racist. After the <laughs> montage ends, Billy gets accosted by one of the other co-workers. Billy storms off and runs into a Santa Claus inside the store. He panics and knocks over some bouncy balls, but is helped out by his loving and kind co-worker, Pamela. He then has a sexual fantasy where he's fucking her. And the fantasy is cut short because in his fantasy, he gets stabbed by Santa Claus. Naughty, naughty. He then wakes up from his wet dream and reverts back to his childhood self and hides in the corner of his room, shaking like a ball shit. I've been there for great doing it. Yeah. Uh, second of all, not only does Santa stab him, but Santa takes the blade and just goes down the entire side of his body. Yeah. And I was like, how did they like, how did they film that? Cause it looked, it didn't look just like a, like a knife with like blood coming out of it. Like, I wonder if they, they did any sort of like of a it, prosthetic to, body or something. Yeah. To me, it looked like one of those CPR dummies that they filled with like red goo and, Maybe. and stabbed and opened up. Cause that, yeah, that was like, it's a long kind of slow shot of of that before he wakes up. Yeah, for sure. Fun fact, and this is completely unrelated to anything, but did you know in in silent films, or at least black and white films, if there was blood on screen, they would use chocolate syrup because you wouldn't obviously need the color, but you would get the texture that you needed from it. Sure. So that's that's what they would use to be able to uh, do that. Where now as we use... Obviously, you know, you can buy production fake blood, but if you want to make it at home, just some corn syrup and some red dye and yeah, you're good to go. Did you know that through all of college, I played Dirty Santa at every um, holiday party I went to with peppermint schnapps and uh, chocolate syrup? I made people get on their knees in front of me and poured a little chocolate syrup shot in their mouth. Jeremiah, you still do that right now. This is You've been out of college for like... 17 years now God, if i could go and do that at, at a party it'd be great but i'm too old 
people are, like, what yes. is this fucking weirdo doing here with peppermint schnapps if i ever go to a party period people look at me and are like i you're too old for this get out of here yeah it's, what are it's you the doing mustache, here? though it so. is the mustache. well they also think like with that mustache like you're obviously doing something else you're not Naughty. dirty santa claus you're dirty sanchez at this point the next morning the santa claus the store santa claus is called out of work because he broke his ankle ice skating week so the store owner decides <laughs> to ask billy to step up be a yeah. team player and guess what don the mantle of santa so That's billy right. dresses up and attempts to be santa one of the kids that is sitting on his lap gets shitty with him and billy tells the little girl that santa punishes naughty children does santa need an ankle santa sits on a chair and people come sit in his lap but I Can guess if you broke, it, have a broken ankle and sit sit in that chair and have people come sit there. But he would have a cast on, and that might give the wrong impression. Unless you paint the cast black and it looks like a boot, or like a red, like red and white, like a candy cane. Oh, and be like, I'm Santa Claus. I don't have a Ooh. peg leg. I lost my Make leg. Stuck and... on it. Yeah, I lost candy my leg cane. and nom, but I replaced Naughty. it with a candy cane. Uh, some a little fun piece of trivia here. So, uh, in this scene that you just said, where they say that the original Santa uh, broke his ankle ice skating, that was also said about Jamie's babysitter in Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers from 1988. Which honestly, Halloween Four, one of the better uh, Halloween films. Haven't seen I'll it. Say it. I'll fucking say it. I don't give a shit about shit. Think about this though. Think about how. What do you think the rest of Billy's life was would have been like mm-hmm. if fucking. Chuck the Santa Claus guy doesn't break his ankle mm. at the ice skating rink. He would have been fine, honestly. <laughs> Still, he needs therapy. Yo, sure. Yeah. yeah. But you can avoid Santa. I mean, you know how many times I've seen Santa like on accident in the past decade? Zero. Like you have you you have to go looking for Santa. Yeah, I you got a job at a fucking toy store at Christmas time. Like, what you don't think Santa's gonna show up? I don't have that same luck. Like last month, we're driving down the highway. There's a guy next to us in a red caddy. No, really? License plate, Santa Claus, big beard. This dude. Wow. So you would have freaked out. You would have. I would have run out the road if you were. Actually, I I T-boned him. He's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Sister Margaret. The cool nun from the orphanage. The one that helps Billy get the job. She calls in to check on Billy. You Finds out. Guess what? He is playing Santa. This obviously triggers a negative response from her. She hangs up the phone, which brings me to the point. You fucking knew going into this. You fucking knew going into this. You took Billy, the kid who's terrified of Santa Claus, Mm. to go work at a toy store during Christmas. What a fucking dumb idea. This honestly, look, Mother Superior, 100%. Well, okay. Evil Santa at the beginning of the movie, 100% his fault. Mother Superior, 95% fault. Everything that happens after this is like easily Sister Margaret's fault. More like Mother Inferior, am I right? Ah, shit. Shit. Later that night, the employees of the store have their Christmas party. Billy sees Pamela and the shitty co-worker sneak off to the back. Billy sees them making smoochies and gets all in his feels. Yep. And the store owner walks up to Billy and asks him if he knows what Santa does on Christmas and then tells old Billy to get started. So Billy does just that. Billy goes into the stock room to see shitty co-worker making moves on the reluctant Pamela. 
So he does what Santa does best, and he strangles the shitty coworker with some Christmas lights. Pamela, obviously distressed by this entire situation going down, fights Billy. So he stabs her in the stomach, killing her. Okay, now here's where we're at. If Pamela says, oh my God, thank you, Billy. You saved me from this guy. I think all of his Santa trauma is over at that point. I Seriously, I think that if she's like, oh my God, you've saved me. At wearing a Santa suit, you saved me from this attacker who was trying to violate me. Yes, you killed him. You went a little too far. That's upsetting. But we we can talk through it, whatever. I think that he goes off and lives a nice life with Pamela. I think this is the point when she says, you're crazy, and he's wearing that Santa suit. I think that's when he snaps. Well, so he's it's, an it's, incel. Well, it's odd because... Incel, yeah. Yep, it's odd fair. because uh, not to like re not to like editorialize your script came in, but like she's not reluctant. She is against this. Like she is yeah. straight yeah. up saying ten no. times she says no. Yeah, ten yeah. times like she it says is, don't. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, and, and like it is very much like this is what you think it is that's happening, and and he mm-hmm. stops it. Him being Billy kills this guy, and I don't know. I. Obviously, I've not, never been in this situation, but I thought it was such an odd reaction to then freak out on him. Like, oh my god! I mean, I guess like sure, you just killed this guy in front of me. Yeah, but it right. was just—I don't know—it was such an odd reaction to me to then like turn, like be like, what the fuck? Like, because she was just being like raped, and he yeah, kills- I mean, I guess, I guess the move is like push that guy away. You're you're stronger than him already. You can pick him up. Yeah. Like they show him picking him up by the by the lights or whatever. You you have the strength on him. Just let him go. But he stands there and holds it for a while. But you're right. I mean, like, and then she says she says the line, "You're crazy," and he turns around to her and like with the with like, the a wild look in his eyes. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, this definitely. I, yeah, I mean, you might be right. Like, this might be the point in which he turns. I guess for me, like, I think Billy at, at this point in the film. Like he's embodied Santa. And once he's told when the shop owner is like, you, you know, you know what Santa does. And it's at that moment it clicks. Right. And he's just like, yes, Santa kills naughty people. At that point, I don't think that he is looking at the situation as we are. He's mm. looking at the situation as like, it doesn't matter if you are in the midst of being sexually assaulted. You are having sex. Like that's Billy's head, right? Like that's all Billy knows is this thing. And so he just snaps at that point and just loses his fucking mind. Yeah. I wonder if he drinks with the, yeah, he drinks with the boss too, which probably doesn't help. No, because it seems like that's the first time he's ever drank. Cause during the montage, he turns alcohol. He turns it down. That's right. Yeah. Um, also call me an idiot. If you Mm -hmm. please, you're an idiot. I, I really didn't like for some reason, I didn't see Billy becoming a Santa, like the Santa killer. And like once they were like, okay, you're going to be Santa. I was like, oh, okay. I see where this is going. Yeah. But yeah. I really, up until that point, I thought I he was going to be fighting Santa's the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect him to be the bad guy. They really got me on Well, that. no, they really paint. And I cool. think that's why this movie is so fucking good is because they paint Billy. Cause we're now like 35 minutes, almost 40 minutes into the movie. No, probably less than that. It's probably about 30, 35 minutes into the movie at this point. And all we've gotten is Billy is just being painted as this like tortured soul. No one understands it. No one's giving him the time of day. This kid fucking needed therapy 
immediately after what he saw. Correct. He needed it in the fucking orphanage. Mother Superior didn't do anything to help him. And now he is let loose. And then you're then. And I, I love that, though, because it paints this dynamic where it's like, do you sit there and think to yourself, like, are you rooting for Billy or are you against what Billy's doing? Because, like, you know that, like, this kid's just fucked up. Like, yeah, there's so many moments in his life that, that this could have been prevented entirely and it never happens. So it's like it's like a battle in your brain of like, do you empathize with him anymore? Because he'd straight up just fucking killed two people. Yeah. Or do you just let it go? And, uh, you know, I think it is interesting. I want to point this out. Uh, most of the kill scenes in the film was actually directed by the editor of the film, Michael Spence, who's best known as a director for the 1991 Corey Feldman action film, Edge of Honor. Hey. So there's that. And the whole reason is because uh, Charles E. Sellier Jr. was uncomfortable with handling the gore-heavy parts of the movie which why the fuck did you sign up for right. in the first place <laughs> yeah right. you're the like, director of a horror movie <laughs> and now the store owner who's now belligerently drunk he goes wandering off to the stockroom and billy strikes him down out in the showroom the last remaining employees drunkenly calling out for the shopkeeper and goes to the back only to find him with a hammer smashed straight through his head she attempts to escape but billy is too quick and after a a very brief cat and mouse chase billy shoots her in the back with an arrow because one of santa's hidden skills he's a master of archery <laughs> we're moving on sister margaret then arrives at the toy store only to find the grizzly remains of billy's co-workers hmm. I hope you guys are ready because this is when shit gets even better. We cut to a house where none other than some random guy who who gives a flying fuck is there. And the queen of trash cinema herself, Linnea Quigley. And they're making out on top of a pool table. A little... She really probably does give the best performance. Oh, no, she's fucking fantastic she's in this movie. In this. I mean, really, like easy. She's like, it's very simple what she does. And it's really good. Now, a little girl shows up at the top of the flight of stairs, and she yells down at Linnea, who we find out is the babysitter, and she asks to see Santa when he arrives. Linnea is able to convince her to go back to bed so she can finish having sex on the pool table. <laughs> so, uh, Linnea, who, you know, she's the queen here. She is the queen. Awesome. Uh, she was asked during a 2015 interview about all the protests surrounding the film when it came out. Linnea said, oh, my God, I was shocked when my manager called me in Mexico where she was filming another movie at the time and said that I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, to me, that was just another horror film. I couldn't stay, understand it at all. So even being in the film, like she was like, why are, why are people protesting this? I don't I don't yeah. get it. Well, Linnea hears some commotion upstairs. So she heads up to try and find uh, we as we find out the cat because it has apparently gone missing. She does this all while topless. Keep that yep. in mind. Yep. This yep. is Linnea no Quigley. And I honestly don't know if she made a movie in the 80s where she wasn't topless. So take that as you will. She's then attacked by Billy, who chases her around the house. Though he initially misses her with an axe throw, he's able to catch her, then immediately impales her on a deer head mounted to the wall. It has a, that's a lot of beer tonight. You're getting <laughs> shitty tonight, guys. Came in. Here's my question to you. Yeah. And this is, I, I want to preface this by saying this is not uh, a critique of the film. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm, I'm confused at this point. 
Like, why? Where? Why is like? Is it just that? Like, okay, he, now he's bad. He's just gonna so go start killing random people. Like, who is this person? Like, why? Why is this? Why? Why is Linnea Quigley in this movie? I guess is my question. Outside of she's a superstar, but like, it it just felt so weirdly like, okay, this story that we've been telling, this very like linear story. Uh, he kills these two people. Now let's just go to a random house. He's gonna go kill some more people. Like, it just felt really disjointed to me. Yeah, so definitely. This this whole sequence is definitely plot armor to establish Billy is is completely crazy now. Okay, yeah. but it also establishes some other stuff, which we will get to in a second. I just want to point out that this is, I think, the biggest fault of the film is that Linnea Quigley is on screen for like five minutes total, and yeah. that's and a fucking bummer because she's she so great. fucking good. She's electric in this movie. Like, why I wasn't she elite? Like. Uh, in this movie more. Yes. She looks great. And, but here's the thing is that they did something that's like really clever for mid eighties that in 2022, they would go full out with, which is that both of these people, the, the boyfriend and girlfriend making out on the pool table and the, like the bullies who steal the, the sleds coming up, they would all be like horror classic, actors right like mm -hmm. they would just get like four people who everybody knew to be in three minutes of the movie a piece or whatever you yeah. know what i mean um which is really smart like sure get 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 linnea quigley if oh, you no. can 100 you've got a day to do it or whatever that's awesome the downstairs the fuck boy is playing pool and since linnea hasn't shown back up he heads upstairs to check on her only to find her hanging from the wall Billy then attacks him, and after a brief struggle, Billy throws the guy out of the window to his death. Grizzly. Grizzly as fuck. So basically, and this is a little bit later, we don't really touch on it, but Billy, when he walks out, we actually get to see how he died. Because it's not a very fall far, like a, a far fall, I suppose. Maybe not even a story, honestly, like, like a half a story right. would be what he falls what happens though is he has a huge shard of glass. I'm talking like half of a window pane just stuck in his side. Like he's fucking gutted and is just covered in glass. Like he is wrecked. Now this is the this is the big deal why I think this scene's very important to the film. As Billy is leaving the house, the little girl from before runs down and sees Billy. She cries out to him, Santa Claus. But since Billy only punishes the naughty, he gives her a bloody box cutter as a Christmas present. I hope cool she will live on his with his legacy. That is like this is one of the coolest scenes to me. And I really think it's important. Like this scene is incredibly important because it shows like even more of like a dynamic to Billy's like unhinged mental state where like he sees like Linnea Quigley and whoever this random fuck boy is. And he sees them as as obviously naughty because they're having sex. Everyone else has been naughty because they're drinking, they're having sex, they're doing all these things. This little girl, though, he asked her multiple times, have you been naughty this year? And she says, no. And that's all he needs is just to be told, like, nope, this isn't naughty. I haven't been naughty. And he gives her a fucking present and then walks out the door. Spooky. Awesome. Fucking you, awesome. You seem came in maddest in this movie at the fuckboy. Is it because he got to touch Linnea quickly all over and you didn't yeah probably okay i mean cool i, I mean, just wanted to check it look if i was in the 80s i, I would have been i would have been if going i was the in phone. the 80s i was in the 80s i've been going through the phone book 
looking up, seeing how I can get in contact, finding her agent. Sure. Uh, that's what I would have done. Alex now, Bailey. out on the road, two cops are on the prowl for the Santa Claus killer and having a laugh about the whole ordeal. They wheel up to a house to see Santa Claus breaking in through a window, but come to find out. It's just a dad dressed as Santa looking to surprise his daughter. Boring. Right. Now, Billy, on the other hand, this motherfucker is wandering down the highway looking crazy as shit and also looking to punish those who are naughty. So we cut to the woods where two kids are sledding. One of the boys says he hears someone out in the woods and the other boy makes fun of him for being a little chicken. Cheep, 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 now come to find out, it's actually two older boys. They jump out of the woods and scare them. They beat the kids up and steal the boys' sleds. The first boy takes off on a sled and makes it down just fine. Now the other guy isn't so lucky. As Billy is lurking in the woods, only to jump out at the last second to chop the head off of the boy. It's a sharp-ass axe. Now we see the guy's headless okay. body slide down the hill. And right behind him in hot pursuit is the disembodied head. Great. Cool. Great so moment. fucking cool. All right. So this is the point in the episode where I want to talk a little bit about the controversy. Are you guys ready? Um, I'm ready, okay. baby. So the it's the founders of this group called Citizens Against Movie Madness. Now, this is real people, right? Cam. Yes. Cam. Or it'd be like, come come um snowballing snowballing so this group called come come <laughs> the group formed to protest this film and the reason that they specifically sought out this movie in particular is because they were hoping to use it as the victory that they needed to be able to mount an even larger campaign against the film industry to essentially remove any forms of nudity violence or promiscuity anything that they found to be immoral essentially hmm. would be because they could just get this shit taken out essentially eradicating our mo r-rated movies entirely because they were apparently bad i um, mean you get rid of all that and you get rid of the liberal media and we're in a great place today hell yeah brother now however the the only problem they had is though they did succeed here so no one really else caught on to the idea of like just getting rid of R-rated movies because at this point we'd already had Godfather. So, you know, not all R-rated movies were bad. And so what there's ends up happening is one. I'm look, there's Godfather. A lot, right. <laughs> but essentially what they wanted to do is, and you got to keep in mind that this was in, in the UK at the same time. You have the the video nasties, which this movie is part of. And then in the U.S., you have the satanic panic is all going on at the same time, right? Mm. So there are these massive campaigns. The issue, though, is that even though they succeeded, the group just fell apart. And no one could really align on, like, how far they should take it, what movies were deemed to be too bad. And so they just disbanded. Mm. So here's the thing, though. If they did side up, they were able to literally get a movie removed from theaters. Now, this shit still happens today, right? Like, we, we had, like, just a few years ago, we had, what is it? Uh, blue is the warmest color, and we had fucking protests over that shit. The Hunt. Right? 
the hunt the came hunt out had yeah that was another yeah. one that's actually like a modern trash cinema film so but like there was a moment in time like between the video nasties and between the fucking satanic panic and, sh- and the groups like come like um you know you just end up in this like we the these the landscape of cinema could be so different if these people actually succeeded i mean well, i've been yeah. considering about rebooting the come group to to protest avatar the way of water I, I think that that's totally fine, though. I was going to say, I yeah, think there's sure. 12 is members not the left. Anymore. Yeah, tw- 12. There's 12 members left in income, and they now consider themselves citizens against mutual masturbation. Uh-huh. They just Probably don't fair. like jerking each other off. Uh, it, it's a very specific group. You know who um, leads that group? Who's that? Clark Howard. Fucking Clark Howard. That motherfucker. Listen here. That's, that's from before the pod. Y'all, y'all are talking about shit from before the pod. No, that was on the pod. You're a fucking lunatic. You need to go cut Howard. back. You need to cut back. You need to start talking about come Howard the way he should be referred to. <laughs> All right. The next morning, Sister Margaret is at the police station. She's informed by the police captain that it's all bad news about Billy. Yep. He's still on the loose, and he's left a wake of bodies in his path. But the police captain says he can predict Billy's next move. So we cut to St. Mary's home for orphan children, the orphanage from before. Kids are all gathered around, opening their presents, awaiting on the annual visit from Santa Claus. And a little girl is playing with the phone, and she's left it off the hook, which prevents the police captain from calling the orphanage. Smart. So what does the captain do? Obviously, he just calls every single deputy he's got out on Christmas Day and tells them all to head straight for the orphanage with strict orders to kill if necessary. Now, cut back to the orphanage, and guess what? Old Santa Claus, he's arrived. And right behind him is a police officer. One of the kids runs up to Santa, so the police officer shoots Santa five times in the back. However, this ain't Billy. It was just some deaf priest, which I have to say, is probably a public service anyway because you know priests are pedophiles and um, what can we say? <gasps> Logistically, there look it's a higher probability that a police a priest is a pedophile than sure. probably any other person. So. I will say, speaking of if holes, that this is this is probably the biggest hole in the movie. Okay. Speaking of holes, um, they they're in the car and the cop says. It sounds like it was an older man, and she goes, "Oh, that was that was priest so and so." And he goes, "Well, she, he didn't stop when he said to stop." And he, she goes, "Oh, but because he's deaf." Who the fuck is this guy? Who's this deaf priest that we've never met before? We were robbed of of the story of the deaf priest. Can we get a ten episode Netflix series about the deaf priest before he dies? It'll be canceled after episode six, but yes, we can. That's fair. But then again, it's if Netflix. it's gonna look, if it's gonna be a Netflix docuseries on a deaf priest, he's a pedophile. It'll be called "Come Home for Christmas," but it'll be spelled C A M M. See, here's the thing, though. But like, I'm not kidding, Father Howard. I'm, no, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding when I say that there is like seven different Netflix series right now about pedophile priests. So yeah, we we understand the. The implications came. You don't have to keep yeah, like, we, going down just on the saying, priest being a pedophile no, thing. That it yeah, might we all be got good that. Yeah, we're good. Le- it might be good for us legally not to reference Clark Howard in the same sentence as a pedophile priest. 
We don't want anything to be misconstrued here. Look, we're saying that. What we are lawyers, saying is that kids should smoke cigarettes. The lawyers, lawyers have been calling been... since episode three yeah. of this uh, of this podcast, yeah. bro. I don't think honestly, yeah, if think anyone can good. take us down, it's Clark Howard. <laughs> that motherfucker's got and on a budget ladder, and on a budget, yeah. and on a budget. Now, <laughs> Mother Superior, she's still alive, shockingly enough. And she chastises the cop for his rookie mistake. It tells the cop, you can't come around the children. You got to get fucked. Do something else. Just don't come in here. We'll be fine. Don't what around the children? Don't come around the children. <laughs> so he's like, all right, cool. Yeah, I know I just shot and killed an innocent person. But like a normal cop, he's like, I still got a job to do. I also will still be collecting my pension in 25 years because I won't be fired for killing an innocent person. Yep. So he surveys the property. Now, while the kids are singing their Christmas carols inside the orphanage, the police officer surveying the property, he gets a less joyful experience since Mm -hmm. uh, he's brutally fucking murdered with an axe to the chest by Billy. Honestly, ACAP. Brutal. Brutal. ACAP. Billy walks up to the front door of the orphanage and one of the kids lets him in because obviously you would Santa Claus, but not the dead Santa Claus. You literally just saw get shot in front of you. Mother Superior, she's in a wheelchair, so she can't do shit. Bitch. So Mother Superior, she tempts them. She tries to corral the children all together, tells them that Santa is not real. Billy calls her naughty as he raises his axe in the air. Finally chop that bitch down. But the police captain interferes. He blasts a few rounds into his Mm. back. And with his final breaths, Billy tells all the children that they are safe now. Santa Claus is dead. He blasted a few rounds into his back or onto his back? I guess you got to watch to find out. He he can. With Billy's axe laying in his feet, the camera pans up. To who? Billy's brother, Ricky. And with hatred in his voice, he says to Mother Superior, Naughty. That's right. Silent night, deadly night. So a couple things, couple things, couple things, couple things. Couple things. Can you imagine you're one of these kids 15 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, you know, you're having that conversation like, oh, when did you learn that Santa wasn't real? So this guy in a Santa outfit came into my orphanage Started trying to kill people. He didn't come into my orphanage. He chopped the door down. Yeah. Chopped it and, down with the next two shots. And, and Mother Superior in that moment told me that Santa Claus isn't real. And yeah. then he was murdered by a police officer. That's how I learned Santa wasn't real. What about you? Honestly, this is like the least offensive thing she's done the entire film. Sure, sure, sure. Second she makes thing. it out alive, though. True. With, with a little tug of her elbow when he's trying to, he grabs her elbow and she gives a little tug. Get the fuck away from me. I, call me an idiot. I somehow missed that that's Ricky when I watched this movie. And earlier, oh, yeah. when we were talking about the baby in the front seat, I was going to ask the question, what happened to that baby? But I was like, you know what? I probably missed something. And yeah. I bet that baby comes up later. I'm the last question that the last time you said call me an idiot, you you didn't deserve it. This time you are an idiot because yeah, 
there's a line. Uh, no, but there is a line right there where Mother Superior says, uh, "Grabbing my harmonica, uh, Ricky," and he her runs over and pipe. he goes, "Her pitch, her pitch pipe. pipe." That's right. That's the right. Fuck is a pitch pipe? Is that a thing? It's a, it's yeah. a thing for singers. Yeah, Fucking it just losers. Woo, woo. it plays a note like, "Oh, here's C" or whatever. It did not help those children sing no. better. Um, yeah, no, no, no. But she says something about how Ricky is a much better child than her brother, William. Yeah. I must have just fucking zoned out. I don't well, know what happened there. I don't know how I messed that up. <clears throat> Let me tell you in a little last bit before we move on to a bigger section of trivia. The film ends with Billy being gunned down, obviously, as we said, and the camera panning up towards his younger brother, Ricky, muttering the word naughty, as we said. This was shot for the sole purpose of setting up the sequel that would follow Ricky as a potential killer. Yeah, which actually ends up happening several a few years later with the 1987 sequel Silent Night Deadly Night Part Two. Now, let me tell you, this movie is bad for a lot of different reasons, but it does have the infamous garbage day scene, which if you haven't seen that before, you have to. But if you've watched this movie, you can literally skip the first. I don't know. The movie's like an hour and 20 minutes. You can probably skip the first. I don't know, 50 minutes of that movie and just watch the back <laughs> half because it's all recycled footage. But before we talk more about that, I'll just give a little teaser. We will talk about it at a later day. Mm, oh, God. We roll credits on the film. Now, Patrick, yeah, we got some fun stuff lined up, so why don't you take over? Let's bring us home with some trivia. Back in 1981, the film was first advertised in Variety magazine. Jeremiah, ever heard of that publication, Variety? Yes. Uh, under the title of Sleigh Ride, good name. The version mm. actually had little to nothing to do with the final film, despite some differences. Written by the duo who had uh, who did advertising for the original Star Wars, Jeremiah, ever heard of that? 1977? A New Hope? Yes. Saturday Night Fever, starring John Travolta. You know this one. Uh, thank you, Lorne. Is that what we're talking? <laughs> yep, Saturday Night Live. Fever. <laughs> yes. And 1976, Carrie. This film would have told the story of a man named Chanks. I'm not Yikes. misspeaking. Chanks, like thanks. That's like Chet Hanks. Like Chet Hanks, yes, Chanks. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it is what? Chanks. Santa Boy Chet Summer. Santa, Santa Boy Summer. Boy. Let's go. Who suffers? So Chanks suffers a similar childhood incident as Billy as he kidnaps a young boy. Being more of a psychological thriller than a gory slasher, the boy's parents must rescue their son before time runs out, unknowingly bringing them together as a family again. Because nothing says family like your child whom you've only cared about now almost getting murdered by a man during the holidays honestly i mean that is that is peak cozy christmas movie mm. how about this came an albert magnoli known from tango and cash prince's purple fucking rain came in ken quapis who is a series direct uh regular as a director of the office jeremiah i know you're familiar netflix's space force and malcolm in the middle and sam raimi who you might know from evil dead Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness were considered to direct the film. I would love to have seen a Sam Raimi sound. Wouldn't that? Like yeah, that. man. That would, it would have been way funnier. This movie oh, is sure. not funny. No, it, it is not. Uh, other than the montage. Yeah. To, uh, and then finally, to close this out, to protest the film, critic Gene Siskel from Siskel and Ebert fame read out loud the names of the companies that own distributor TriStar Pictures on his and Roger Ebert's television show, then said, shame on you. 
He also called wow. out the writer, director, and producer and said, you people have nothing to be proud of. Hollywood had it against this movie, apparently. For real, man. I'm telling you, come almost took us all down. Yeah, <laughs> truly. Yeah. This was a hard yeah. swallow for them. Yeah. Well, uh, boys, that brings us to final thoughts. The end of the episode where we ask the question, save it or can it? Would you save this film or would you can this film? We will do as we did at the beginning. And we'll start with you, Patrick. Yeah. So I was. I realized I, normally my my little ritual for these movies. I finish the movie. I write out some final notes, some final thoughts, and then I go over to Letterbox and I, I put it in my official Save Trash Cinema the podcast list ranking. I didn't do that for this movie, so I'm pulling it up on my phone now to look and see about where I would place it because I did like this movie. I think overall, like I was telling Rose, I um I. My initial thoughts being scared that it was going to just be a slasher uh, and not that good uh, definitely weren't. They did not come to fruition. Like I did enjoy this movie and I thought it had some some interesting ideas and I, I liked the twist of it being Billy uh, as Santa Claus the murderer. Um, I think there's some things that they could have cleaned up and I think there's some things that could have been a little clearer in its um, sure. in its execution. But overall, I think this is a really solid movie, and I, it would definitely be in the top half uh, of uh, of my list because because here's the thing, Cayman. We almost this week, a little behind the scenes, did the film The Ginger Dead Man, starring Gary Busey, which I think we'll probably still cover eventually we because yeah. we we both kind of remembered that as being Christmas horror, and it certainly is not. They don't mention Christmas once in that movie, but that movie is dog shit. And so I'm really glad, like compared to this one, I think this the very, very strong movie here because uh, that one's like bottom of the list for me, even though it was my idea. Uh, but no, this one. Yeah, no, I liked it. I liked it a lot. So uh, thank you, Cayman. All right. Uh, man, you guys are Patrick is so appreciative. It's like a Christmas. Yeah, this is like, a, Christmas, like all of, a Christmas. A couple miracle. little Scrooges are. All right. Opened your hearts. Well, let's yeah. go with the, the, the slub dumpster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Jeremiah, why don't you tell us uh, your final thoughts and uh, whether or not you would save this film or can it? I, um, so I've been wanting to see, uh, I've been wanting to go to the movies and see Violent Night um, mm -hmm. starring Hopper uh, from Stranger Things. And I have a two-year-old and everybody's a little sicky right now at home. And um, it's just, you know, it's not the time to go spend two hours by myself in the movies, but I felt like I got, what I needed out of that movie, out of this movie. Like I, everything that I wanted that movie to be, this movie had, which is Santa with blood all over his uh, outfit with a big ax in his hand, just chopping up people at some point. And um, yeah, I thought it was really cool. I, I, I honestly like, um, I normally sit and try and like come up with funny jokes the whole time or like come up with, musical numbers or little like bits or something that I can do during this podcast. But, uh, but from the very beginning, I was like, this is like a psychologically fucked up movie. This poor, like this guy is really like struggling with some childhood shit. And as a result, I like, I kind of got into it watching it, uh, today. So yeah, it was cool. I would, out of the movies that you've had me on here to do, um, with the exception of just a phenomenal film, in skyscraper i would say that this is probably up there as one of my tops yeah can i sure. can i uh to use a phrase that i hate can i piggyback off of that jeremiah 
you can piggyback on me anytime you want. I can do a lot of things on your back. Um, I think to 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 <laughs> to update my rankings. You know, I don't always like say exactly where it falls in my rankings, but I think for the sake of this conversation, since you brought it up, Jeremiah, sure, I think I would put this movie in my rankings, smack at number eight, which eight out of twenty seven. And what's okay. in well, what is that movie right in between, Jeremiah? Number seven, Skyscraper. Number nine, Street Fighter. Let's fuck. Hey, let's, let's go, baby. Cayman's K- probably so mad. It is Skyscraper what it is. is so high. Skyscraper's 27th on his list. God damn it. I hate that movie. <laughs> uh, my final thoughts, obviously, as I said before, during the initial thoughts, I love this movie. And it doesn't matter how many times I watch it. I literally watch it every fucking Christmas. This movie rules. This movie is much more than then like i think a lot of the movies we cover here but also at the same time like i think it's really important to point out that like trash cinema doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad movie right like this movie is a, a legitimately well-made film and it, sure it's got some trashy parts it's got the sleaze it's got the cheese and it's got the in-betweens the boobies hey yes sir but it's also like it's it's an enjoyable film like it's it's well put together and the story arc of billy you know having the childhood trauma going through the orphanage and then finally just losing his fucking mind when he's 18 like i think it's prescient and like how we treat mental health today especially and sure this was the reagan era when they did away with mental health entirely is something that we cared about in this country Mm -hmm. So, like, I do think it's really important. I think this movie is one of those where, like, obviously do not fucking watch this with your kids. Do not watch this with your parents. Well, I guess parents. I don't know. Your parents might be cool. Not mine. My parents would be like, what are you doing watching boobies on a TV screen? Get out of here, you fucking losers. But, like, look, I love this movie. This is, like, a ton of fun. Um, It seems way darker. It is very dark. But, like, it's a really fun movie to put on during the holidays. And uh, for Christmas Horror... But it's literally between like this and I think like uh, Black Christmas in the latest film by Joe Bagos, who did the film we covered earlier uh, this year with VFW. He's got a really cool one called a bloody uh, bloody Christmas bloody, which is like super fucking cool, too. It's like, look, Christmas is one of those seasons where I feel like the horror films that come out from it are genuinely actually kind of fun. There are some dog shit ones. And trust me, I've been watching all of those dog shit ones as well. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I love this movie. I definitely give this a hard, hard score for a save it. Go check it out. The Christmas season isn't over yet. You got time. Just go rent a copy. Probably can't get one from Amazon right now, but go rent it and um, enjoy. And just the... Just to piggy all over the back of that, um, if you don't mind, just for one second, um, is the the end of the year pod for Save Trash Cinema is uh, is a video podcast where you literally burn all the DVDs that that two thirds of this podcast trashed. Is that what the is that what we're doing? Yeah, something like that. I'd like to watch you burn a lot of your like most prized possessions. That would be really fun. <laughs> you know, it's actually funny. I there was two films that I didn't have copies of um that I stream that I did streaming for going into the end of the year and I just purchased both of those films. They will both be here for a final presentation of literally every physical copy of every nice. movie we've covered so far 
on Save Trash Cinema. So I hope everyone's ready to see that I mean, disaster. Does that include the Fast and the Furious? <sighs> yeah, it actually does. Let's I- go. Uh, yeah, I. But- yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, Jeremiah, you're close about what the ending ritual will be. It's... We're not going to be burning all the movies. We're going to be burning Keith, Keith. alive. No. Speaking of Keith, if you've enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and share the hell out of it with your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies. Honestly, word of mouth is key here, and we are beggars also. Guess what? Love you, Keith. Fuck Keith. Fuck Keith. If you're interested in video games, check out our sister podcast, the Spotlight Games Podcast, and all of your favorite streaming services. We have a YouTube channel, and we have a Twitch channel. And guess what? We're streaming every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Twitch, so come check us out there oh. while we do it live. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Kamen. Patrick, where can they follow you? They can follow me at Patrick Schwag on Twitter. And Jeremiah? I'll be um, I'll be opening up my iPhone Find Me settings uh, so that you can find me as I roam around the woods in a Santa costume. Fucking love to hear it. And you can follow our sister podcast at Spot Game Spot on Twitter and Spotlight Games Pod on Instagram. And you can find STC at the handle at Save Trash Cinema on all socials. Merry Trashmas, everyone. And remember, five big box office. Save Trash Cinema. Close tonight, you better run, boy. You better run for your life. (laughs) Time to go home, Billy.